welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is your host, Big Wade, as we are sitting in the Rogers studio today with some pretty cool cats in the business, as I have Dan Block, the manager of Archery Country and Rogers, and Mr. Dan Ness, who is uh, owner or co-owner of Mayo Atomic Level Training. Now, the description on this podcast is going to throw some of you for a loop, because we're in that strange time where not only is preparation huge, for shooting, but also preparation is huge for your physical fitness. Draw tags, draw results are out. Some folks have got some out west hunts, which are literally right around the corner. And Dan, we're glad that you're here today. Glad to have you. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Mr. Thanks Bob. for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, this is actually Dan's idea, uh, Dan Block's idea yep. to have you on. And uh, he's got an out west, well, kind of out west hunt, a couple of different things going on, but... The reason we wanted to get you on is because in the pro shop, we have guys all the time that they get their bows out. It's been six months since they've shot them. Shoulders are sore. Necks are sore. We had to turn down Mm -hmm. the bows. Uh, Shooting. They shoot for a week, and then they think they got to change something. But realistically, what you're going to talk about today, we'll get you kind of a little background story and take us down that road, where you came from, what you've been doing, what your... uh, gym is it safe to say a gym physical fitness center yeah gym studio Uh, personal training facility perfect yeah so uh we'll go that route and then we'll get into a bunch of uh, training and what we need to do so we're glad to have you dan if you wouldn't mind background fill us in just a little bit what uh, what is myoatomic level training your locations and then uh, what'd you do what'd you do before that yeah yeah absolutely again thanks for having me on um myoatomic level training is a one-on-one personal training studio facility. Um, Basically, we started it back, my brother and I, we started it back in 2011 uh, with a location in Minnetonka, and now we've grown it to three different locations. So it's a personal training facility. It's all one-on-one training, so we don't do any group sessions or anything like that. It's a very, very private and controlled environment. That's number one. Um, but what we do is a very effective, a very efficient and safe training platform. So um, without those three pillars, um, you know, I, I definitely question, you know, that what whatever you're doing for training, I, I think having the effectiveness is is number one. The efficiency, you can't, I mean, we want it to be maintainable long-term uh, to continue a healthy lifestyle. And then also it should be safe. Uh, number one, you shouldn't be risking your health in pursuit of better health. So those are the three pillars of what we do. It's to really like a 10,000 foot view. It's in the realm of high intensity training. Um, but that's a, that's a really gym buzzword that's thrown around a lot. So I like to be a little bit more specific with it. Um, there's high intensity interval training out there. There's CrossFit and all that stuff. It's, it's really not like that, but it's, it is very, very intense, but it's all primarily strength training. So one-on-one environment again, to make sure you're safe and making sure the workout is effective and efficient. So that's a little bit in a nutshell of what myoatomic level training is. So it's not like, uh, starting your truck and going to 
It's not like Pilates or anything. All time fitness <laughs> and putting 500 on the rack and just benching it, looking in the mirror going, I'm a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's uh, kind of the furthest thing from that. Um, which, which by nature, you know, in order to up the intensity of, of strength training, like if you try to do it on your own, it could be potentially very dangerous. So that's why we do need that very private and focused environment. And, and I think nowadays too, um, people really enjoy the private nature and the one-on-one coaching that you get from one of our sessions. It's a 20 minute session. You do it once or twice a week. So it's a very, very brief, but very intense workout. So it's not, it's not a, it's not a quick fix or get ripped quick type of program. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a lot of work. It's very, very hard work, but for a very, very short amount of time, um, in a one-on-one very specific, uh, type of environment. So, if anybody listening like said, all right, I'm hooked, I'm ready to do this. And they call you guys, you have a full st- staff or yep. full, sorry, whatever trainers. Yep. And let's say I signed up and, and Leroy is my trainer. And I said, Leroy, like, this is what I'm going to do. I have a sheep hunt mm-hmm. and it's going to be for 12 days. Not only the preparation for travel, but also the preparation to go on 13,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying extreme. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I just, pick something out of a hat yeah but like they can can you categorize things like that or is it all is it a general like just making you better health-wise well we we can be a little bit more specific um on something like that i would definitely target your lower body significantly more lower body back uh those types of things we can we can make it a little bit more specific but your overall health of your entire body and you're getting a full body workout every time you come in the majority of your muscles are actually in your lower body. So that's what you're actually going to be getting the most out of one of our workouts, but it is a full body workout. So you're going to get in your upper body and your neck and your shoulders and all the things that are associated with archery and and hunting in general, you're going to get all of that too. So again, yeah, we can customize it, especially if you have an injury or something that's probably been more common of what we see is someone has a knee problem or a back problem. And it's like, we got to get around that. So we can be very, very specific train your body to a very, very high degree while maintaining that safety and, and protecting you from further injury as well, which will, again, will allow you to go on that hunt. So I love it. And so we're going to rewind just a little bit. Once in a while, we'll get a tip from either one of our guys that work here or from a different consumer. And they're like, Hey, we should have you in a podcast. So when, what I'm getting at is you have some experience in the business of hunting, especially Mm -hmm. out West hunting. And also some awesome companies that you're part of. When Dan said, hey, we should have Dan on a podcast, it's not just because you're a good-looking dude and you have a gym, <laughs> but you you actually have a resume. Give us a little bit of the, like your past, you were a guide or yep. are a guide or however that works. Give us a little history of you, like your bow hunting career and your guiding and, and the outdoor industry. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I started shooting a bow when I was a you know, really young kid, probably five, six years old. My dad is a, a, a big archery hunter. And so grew up with that. Um, I still remember coming to archery country in St. Cloud, uh, as a kid, um, we grew up, you know, I grew up West of the cities in, in Dassel, Minnesota. And, and, uh, I still remember going to archery country with my dad. That's when you guys had the simulator up there and, and mm-hmm. shooting, you know, the, the video targets and stuff. And I remember my dad shooting, like, I think it was the Q2 for like the very first time. It was like, one of the more parallel limb design bows and just how smooth that was and just his shock and just the technology. And it's just crazy how far we've come. So, um, you know, archery has been a huge part of my life and, uh, you know, obviously grew up white tail hunting here in Minnesota, 
it wasn't until I got into probably late high school and then into college, um, I got an opportunity to go to Colorado and be an elk hunting guide. Um, and when I was in college and I actually would take my fall semesters off to go guide, make enough money guiding and then come back and pay for school. And, and, uh, it took a little bit longer to, to finish school and whatnot, but, uh, it was, I learned probably more through guiding than I ever did in my education. So, um, especially in the business and professional and sales world and relationship building. I mean, you're with people for seven days out in the mountains. You, you get to know people pretty quick and how to create a, an awesome experience for them. That's more than just killing an animal. So that uh, is that where you guys met is up in Wade Park. I've I've seen you up there when I used to work in that store, um, but just just talking in the store here in Rogers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of hit it off. So yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I again, I used to. I mean, we used to go to the St. Cloud store all the time, but now that I kind of live a little bit closer to the cities, the Rogers store has become kind of the main the main place. But anyway, so yeah, guided for for just about twelve years. Um, I don't I don't do any guiding anymore. Um, I have I, I have some people that request every now and again. So. Maybe at some point in time, I do some freelancing stuff, but having a family and wanting to do hunts on my own, that's the thing with guiding is like, you're spending all day, every day in the mountains, you know, guiding and, you know, you get to do the best part of hunting, which is the pursuit. You know, the only thing you're not doing is pulling the trigger. So nowadays it's like, I like to do my own hunts and, and plan that out. And there's just only so much time in a fall and with, with family and being away from home, you just gotta, you know, what's more important. So yeah, you guys have been pretty busy. <laughs> this is a busy year for you. Yeah. <laughs> But sure is. Dan, I, Dan Block, this is, I got the double D's in the house, so I got this <laughs> Dan and Dan. Dan Block, you've been doing this forever. How many times, and, and not like pointing out, let's say age category from 35 to 55 guys, the ones that really can afford, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some bigger hunts mm-hmm. in, in their career. How many times have you seen it where their, their main focus in preparation is on the equipment? And then turn around, there ends up being, we'll see them in November, December, and it's a terrible experience because we physically... Happens a lot. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> yeah, it's more common than you think. Um, everyone is putting so much time and effort into their equipment, which is great. But then, like you said, once, uh, once you hear their story, have it be a sheep hunt or an elk hunt or, um, you know, high altitude, you know, mule deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if they planned it for seven, eight days, then they said that it takes X amount of days just to get more or less prepared once they're already there. I mean, you're already halfway through your hunt. And yeah, I mean, preparation's key, especially your health. So, and I think it's, it's a lot of people don't understand, um, coming from a Western lifestyle background, like riding horses, not a big thing to me, um, but we have individuals who it's, it's took them eight years to draw an elk tag mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're going to go and in the little pamphlet or talking to their outfitter off and on. And they're like, Oh yeah, we ride horses four hours back in on a horse. Four hours is a long, long ways. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> even, I don't care. Even if you are physically fit, there's little things like that that are going to jump up and surprise you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, I, I, you brought it up your lower back and your legs. Like I would have never thought of that, you mm-hmm. know, right off the bat packs and sizes yep. and, and going along that equipment. And we could talk for hours and hours about equipment, but today we're going to focus on mm-hmm. the physical attributes. So before we get into the, like the training for out West and that yeah. particularly bow hunting, you use some muscles 
I use the term every day that we're selling a bow. You're going to wake up some muscles that are there, yep. but you're not actively using them all the time. Like in your mind, shooting a bow, whatever it may be, where, where's the concentration? What, what kind of muscles are we using? What can we do to start off, you know, even though we're a little late to the game right now in July, but like, what should we focus on for shooting a bow correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think when you go to the gym, a lot of guys are, you know, hitting the, the squat rack and doing bicep curls and all that type of stuff. And, and so the muscles you got to work for, for shooting a bow are, are not as popular. Um, I would say your rhomboids, which are the muscles that are in between your shoulder blades. Those are probably the most important, especially when you think about drawing, like where does all your power come from? Uh, like if you think about like, you know, pulling the cord on a lawnmower, I mean, you could do lawnmower rows or, or whatever. Uh, I think a, a, a compound row or a type of rowing exercise where you're contracting your shoulder blades together and pinching your shoulder blades all the way back. However, we have some very specific equipment that's amazing for this this uh, exact muscle group at, at our facilities. The equipment we have is is top of the line, and it would it targets those muscles perfectly in a in an incredibly efficient, effective, and safe way. Um, there's a lot of other things you can do to to target those muscles, um, but then up going up a little bit higher into your trapezius muscles that you know directly tie into your neck and then your shoulders and your delts. All of those muscle groups are aligned with drawing a bow and holding a bow too. So, um, so when you shoot a lot or when you're starting to shoot a lot, you're going to really get at those muscles that you typically never train or a lot of people don't train. They're hard to train. So that's why people, they get neglected. And then you start shooting your bow and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, my neck is hurting or my, my shoulder hurts or whatever it might be. Cause you don't really get after those muscles that much. So those are some of the main ones that you really got to target. Uh, especially when you start shooting your bow. And then I would always say like, ramp up, like ramp up slowly, uh, into, into your shooting and, uh, you know, don't go out there and fling off a hundred arrows your first time out. Like, yeah, even I'll be sore doing that. So I usually start slow. Like if I have a little time off from shooting or whatever, and I just kind of start working my way up just to kind of, you know, build that muscle memory back and kind of build that skill back a little bit too. And then, and then tie that in with my training. And then you're just going to be, you know, maybe a little bit more bulletproof uh, when you start shooting a lot more. So that's exactly what I was going for. So the, the, the phenomenon, uh, I, I hate to even be a name dropper, but this dude runs like crazy and he's, he shoots for Hoyt and like <laughs> spot hogs. So if you haven't figured out, I'm talking about like guys like Cameron Haynes. Heck yeah. <clears throat> yep. Um, there's a dude, I think his white tail fit. Yeah. That's, uh, he kind of become a huge YouTube following and, mm -hmm. and out West. So when someone comes in, we had one yesterday, bought an 80 pound bow. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he shoots it very good and he can handle it. But if you have to sky draw, what I mean by that, if you have to point your bow at the sun to draw it back and you have to collapse your or shooting elbow or at the ground, <laughs> like it, understand, okay, there's one out of 150,000 archers that have an injury where they can't do it correctly. Mm -hmm. But if you have to do that, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> all three of us sitting here, not that we're going to, but you can take an 80 pound bow and drop back perfectly level. Mm -hmm. That's where we need to, you got to have less movement when you're drawn. Where I'm getting at with this is there's certain things that you can do not that you have to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you're done, <clears throat> but you can have these muscles to make shooting more enjoyable. And I'm glad you brought it up because no one ever thinks about steadiness during the shot. 
how can guys shoot 100 plus yards on a target range well they can hold their bow yep phenomenal there's no pin float they're not anticipating anything trying to do a drive-by like you're saying the muscle groups like that even your forearms and setting your shoulders if you don't have strong shoulders you're not going to be a strong shooter right so it's it's not only you know for your target archers and you're adding up to to making the shot because if we spend all this money and all this energy and the time and like you said before the pursuit is most of it mm-hmm. <clears throat> there will come a day there will come an hour there'll come a minute when you have to draw the bow back yep. and put your 55 you know dollar broadhead on a $35 shaft with a $3,000 bow that all has to work, but there's always a driving force behind it. Mm -hmm. So now stepping on that from, from shooting muscles, like let's say, let's start out with the out West guys. Yeah. Um, lots of walking Yeah, and lots of elevation change and it's not always flat ground. Like where would you go? What are you training for, for situations if we're going out West? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So there's a couple different ways I, I, I look at it. First thing uh, is the altitude is, is a huge component of, of hunting out West. And I think a lot of times people want to train to the level where it's like, I don't want to be out of breath. I, I want to, I don't want to be breathing heavy when I get out there. It's like, well, that's going to happen because of <coughs> altitude. We live, right. we live here in Minnesota, flatlanders. <clears throat> and most people that I've, that I've guided are not from out West. So I always just told my hunters, I'm just like, you're going to be breathing heavy. That's okay. Like mm-hmm. that's going to happen. I'll be breathing heavy. You know, I think where your, your conditioning and your strength training or whatever program you're using is just going to help you recover and then also, um, keep fatigue away. So I think what, what ends up happening is when you get to a point where you're just spent and you're just like, you're weak and fatigued and sore, those are the things I want to stay away from. I don't mind if you're breathing heavy fine. That's, that's all good. You're not going to get away from that because we're at crazy altitude from 8,000 feet to 12,000 feet, whatever it is. So the foundation for an out West hunt, in my opinion, is, is the lower body. Like we talked about earlier is, is legs and back. Um, that's, that's typically where I would start. Um, and there's, I mean, we're about what, two months out, maybe a little bit less for some, uh, to this upcoming season. So there's still things that you can do that are very, very simple that will really, help you go further and longer and, and prevent that, that fatigue after day four or even day three for some, you know, it's those later days in the hunt is where you really start. That stuff really starts showing up where you're getting up and you're like, Oh man, how am I going to get up the mountain today? So that's what we're really trying to prevent is, is that deep fatigue. Don't worry about being out of breath. I mean, running is, is a really good thing you can do. Um, but I, I like to get a little bit more specific than that. Um, I think one of the most basic things you can do is when you're shooting your bow, put your hunting boots on. So you got good ankle support, put a salt bag in a, in a backpack. And when you're shooting your bow, you're just walking back and forth to your target. Like that's like one of the most basic things you can do. Um, just to increase that heart rate a little bit. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and when you carry a pack for, you know, a 40 pound pack for even 45 minutes to an hour, like you're going to feel that in mm-hmm. spots that like, again, you don't feel on a, on a daily basis. So that's something that I do. And, uh, the other things I'll do, like, again, if you don't have access to, to a, a gym or a facility or anything like that, there's a lot of body weight things you can do at home. Wall sits is not fun. It's not sexy in any way. Um, but it's very effective and, Make it intense. Make it hard on yourself. Uh, you know, think about that elk right. that's screaming in your face up the mountain, and you're sitting there doing that wall <laughs> sit. Like, just channel that energy. It's like I'm doing this for that elk. You right. know, right. so 
Um, so that's, that's one exercise that can really, it's safe because you're just sitting against a wall. It's going to, you know, fatigue your muscles if you make it intense enough. And that will be something that you can do. That's very basic and very easy. Now we have a full on program that we could get you into that would really, you know, take it to a whole nother level. Um, especially on the, we have some very specific back equipment that you can train your low back very, very safely uh, and effectively. So that's a, you know, we could go in a deep dive on some of those things, but those would be the the places I start. I like to do, I think stairs is another good one too. Like I work now, I work downtown now and I go up and down the stairs uh, and prep for an elk hunt. So again, you're going to be out of breath. It's fine, but get your legs and your body up to a point where you're going to try to just minimize that fatigue uh, over the course of your hunt. So what is the... Uh, this I'm going to throw you under the bus here a little bit. Like the scientific, what happens when you, adrenaline creates something in your body or it's a, um, there's a chemical interaction and then like the aftermath. So you, you're prepared and you get to the shot and you shoot the elk. Okay. <clears throat> you're going to come down off that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Is there this, this training, this high intensity, I know you don't like that word, but whatever we're doing with myoatomic, like, is it, is it, when you use the word safe, like we're, we're also preparing your body for the aftermath. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that correct? Or is that not, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I think, I mean, that's kind of part of the fun is, is the adrenaline dump you get. Um, You know, I think the aftermath to me is packing that elk off the mountain. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Which is really just the start. Yeah. (laughs) If you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. When you throw, when you throw a hind quarter on your back and you got to take it over some deadfalls and it's like, you're not just walking out a flat gravel road. It's like, it's, it's, you're going to be in some pretty gnarly terrain, you know, chances are. So that's where the elk live. So, so I think if you're talking aftermath, I would say it's going to prepare you better for that. As far as there is a mental component of the training that we do as well, that, it's, it's a very intense stimulus and the whole time you're doing the exercises that we do specifically. And, and I think a lot of exercises too, you're, you're fighting that will to quit. You're fighting that, that, that does it, your, your mind's basically like saying, stop, like stop what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't fun and, and you want to give up and you want to quit. So I think when you can challenge that mindset and that mentality and you can, you can get into that realm of like, I'm going to push past this. I'm not going to quit. I think that is what will help prepare you even more uh, than the physical. So, cause uh, you know, your body is what you, you're limited to like 40% uh, mm-hmm. or something like that. And your, you know, or your mind shuts you down at about 40%. Well, we, we explore that with our workout. It's like, you get to that point every time you work out with us and we're pushing past that. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you got a lot more to give. Right. And so being able to like tap into that realm, it, I, I think it really gives you a confidence uh, that you know that, whatever's coming at the, on this mountain, like I'm going to be able to get after it and handle it. So, so I think, yes, uh, you know, to answer your question in a roundabout way, I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways that, you know, our program and just strength training or exercise in general helps prepare you for, for not only a hunt, but other things in life too. So. Uh, the, and I asked that, here's a funny story. Cause we like talking about stories. I didn't even shoot the elk, <clears throat> but my brother did and I was with him <clears throat> and it was a cow. So we were in Colorado in the Theodore and shot a cow way up on a bluff <clears throat> to get to the closest road. It was, you know, GPS, you look at it, it's about two miles, but it's straight downhill. 
ah, this is a piece of cake. But here's the kicker. So we shot this cow, got it, we're quartering it out. One guy stays with the animal and keeps cutting, and the other guys are going to travel and bit it. And we had a side-by-side coming, radioed down. In the mix of gutting and quartering, the first quarter, I got strapped on, and I was sitting down, I got stood up, and all of a sudden, my youngest brother said, do not move. Like, what, what? okay, maybe there's a bull or something, you know, around the corner. There's a mountain lion about 60 yards <laughs> in a tree watching us. Oh, yeah. So at the time, I was probably 40 pounds less than I am now. But I made it down. I mean, there, there was some kicker behind me going. <laughs> I made it down to the road faster than I ever have or would today. <laughs> but afterwards, like I'd pushed my body further than I ever have for mm. 10 years. Mm-hmm. It was the after when we're sitting in camp and I cannot move my legs. Like you can't bend down to tie my boots, that kind of thing. And I don't know if it was the adrenaline was there. We were excited. But the, if you're, <clears throat> if you're training for this beforehand, that's going to be less and less. You're still going to have some, like you say, fatigue. Yeah. But, and it doesn't have to, you don't have to like, and you, you, talk on this like you don't have to transform your it's very hard to transform your body in two months all right yeah but you can in heighten the experience with better muscle build and and training for that yeah it'll make it it'll make it significantly more enjoyable uh i mean there's there's so much to be had uh from from just doing just a little bit of work in in a short amount like i said we have two months so yeah you're not gonna i mean as much as you want to see these infomercials and get shredded in whatever 30 days or something, it's, it's really hard to do that, especially if you're, I mean, we haven't even really talked about diet or anything like that. That's a whole nother realm that uh, you could do a, a two hour podcast on diet alone. But you know, when you're, when you're out <coughs> West, I, I think like you're going to, I don't worry about that as much. It's like you want to enhance your experience by again, reducing that fatigue. And, and what you experience there is, is probably common for a lot of people. They, they pack out a bowl and then the next morning it's like, I got to take the day off. Mm. We want to eliminate those days off. Like we want to be able to give you the strength and the ability to go every single day. Maybe you're going to be a little bit tired, but it's going to just be mitigated uh, by the prep that you did uh, prior to going on that hunt. And like I said, it's, there's, there's things that you can do at home. You don't have to go to a gym or anything like that, but you do have to have the discipline to, to put in the work every single day leading up to that. And so. it takes a special character to have the discipline. Totally. You know, you, you're going to do better with a trainer or someone there pushing you. Absolutely. <clears throat> That's note. why we had coaches in yep. football, you know, it's. Yep. No doubt about that. Dan Block, you do usually one out West, if not two a year. Uh, you've done a lot of spot and stock in the past. Like, are you doing anything? Have you worked with Dan? Are you doing anything crazy? Are, are your hunts high intensity? Um, not this year. It's not going to be, but no, they have in the past, but it's mainly like if you're, if you're in waders going towards from point A to point B, um, mainly just whitetail hunting, have mm-hmm. it be more boggy swamp kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm which will fatigue me really quick, but it's kind of different. You're, it's really slow moving. You're going through thick muck and you know, your waist high water and you're going so far in. So it's a little bit different than, than more of a high altitude, um, elk hunt or, or mule deer hunt. But, um, it, it's been quite a while since I've done, you know, an elk hunt or anything though either. So that was 15, 20 years ago. So, right. yeah. So making that transition, since you're talking about Midwest and whitetail hunting, mm. <clears throat> rather be in Kansas terrain or northern Minnesota in the crap, 
or, you know, even Wisconsin where there is, now I wouldn't say huge elevation changes, but you can get down to like PDC and, you know, have some ridges and stuff like that. Is it, air quotes, the same kind of training or do you do it differently or would you train, would you do anything kind of differently? Um, uh, here's a, so let's say, you know, sitting in a tree stand mm-hmm. for hours mm-hmm. upon a time, like, is there ways you talked about the squats and, and such a uh, lower back? Yeah. I mean, well, so I, I mean, I have, I have low back problems from sports injuries and, and stuff like that. And so tennis, <laughs> <laughs> ping pong actually. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I, what ends up, what ends up happening or my experiences, I've, there was a, there was a year, uh, it was a few years ago now where I just, I kind of fell off the rails a little bit and was just like, I just wasn't, wasn't training in the fall. And I think my training really uh, to be, to be disciplined through, through the hunting season is challenging because it's like, oh, I'm, I'm getting up early and, and I'm, I don't want to be fatigued for if I have to draw my bow and shoot and all that stuff. I think there's a lot of excuses that I can come up with pretty easily to not like work out during the hunting season, especially. Um, but there was a, there was a hunt I did, uh, in North Dakota. It was a late season hunt. I had a very short amount of time and just after hanging stands and stuff, I was just like, and then I had to hunt. So it was like hanging on, I hung like three sets and then like went and hunted. And I was like, my whole body was like, you know, when you get that fatigue, when you're just like twitchy and stuff. And I'm like, how am I going to mm-hmm. shoot now? Like, mm-hmm. and then I got all these heavy clothes on cause it's cold out. And I'm like, so I told myself after that, I'm like, yeah, never again, never again. <clears throat> am I gonna, not, am I going to be fatigued from, from just hanging stands and all that type of stuff. So, cause it's like sometimes on some of these goofy trees, you're kind of sitting in a weird position, mm-hmm. you know, you're strapped in on your harness, but your legs are still kind of carrying some of that load. And I'm just like, no. So I, I think a lot of the training does carry over. If you got a long hike in to uh, some public land, like you said, going through some ravines and dips and valleys and stuff in Southern Minnesota or Wisconsin, that stuff will wear you down too. So, so I think a lot of it does transfer really well. But again, when you're sitting there all day and you have, you know, I'm not sitting up straight all day in my stand, you know, it's like, I'll be slouching or having bad posture and if you are, your neck starts hurting, your back starts hurting, that's all going to be distracting. And one of those things that starts creeping in your mind or same as like getting cold, it's like, all right, I should probably get out of the stand now or whatever. It's just one of those, it's just one more thing that's just going to try to get you to quit on a hunt. So I just, I think a lot of it carries over. Yeah. I might not do as much hiking with a heavy pack when I'm going on a whitetail hunt, but I'm still making sure my legs are strong, my shoulders, my neck, my upper back. Um, especially when you get into cold weather season, you start wearing more more heavy clothes. Um, a lot of guys have to dial their bow down when it gets cold and I don't want to do that. So I think this really helps mitigate that. Right. Making sure that your mental state's correct then too. Yeah. Yep. Well, going back to what we said earlier about some of that mental stuff, the more you can get into that zone of like where your body's telling you to quit, it's the same on a hunt when it's freezing cold. It's like, nah, I can get through this. Right. You know, it's a different stimulus, but it's the same same mindset. Exactly. Yeah. There's uh, two channels that I can go down right now because we're having so many awesome ideas and inputs on this. But uh, you're a Sitka ambassador. Mm-hmm. Uh, you work extensively with those guys. The The day of buying a Fleet Farm jacket and, <laughs> right. like you are saying, heavy clothes, and even if you had to walk a quarter mile and you're dripping wet and then all of a sudden the cold, you know, the coldest part of the day is from sunrise to an hour after and you're you you know things are crunching and you're seeing deer and it may be that <clears throat> that can have a lot to do with your muscle 
in your body, you know, regulating your body core temperature, yep. especially out West. Now I haven't, I haven't done it to the level you have, but you know, morning glassing, mm-hmm. getting to the spot in the dark, mm-hmm. glassing where you're sitting much like a whitetail hunter glass. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going to go, we're going to go hunt these bucks or we're going to go, this bull is over here and we got to cut them off. Like it's the peaks in the valleys, the peaks in the valleys and clothing can, you know, equipment can be huge yep. to that. As a guide, give us some pretty cool stories. Like one, you, you know, and don't point any fingers or name any names, but right. like one, like super fit dude, chaotic cocaine filled rock and roller <laughs> to like me, you know, yeah. like the, the 180 degree switch. Yeah, we've had, uh, I mean, it's pretty fun hunting with, with guys that, uh, we've had some, some military guys that have kind of like special operation kind of guys that are, they're just animals. It's like, you're, you're basically kicking me in the heels when I'm going up the mountain. Like those guys are on a different level totally, but it's, it's fun to hunt with those guys. Cause it's like the, the better in shape you are. I mean, what is it in Colorado? I think it's like 10% of archery hunters fill their tags. It might be a little bit more now, but it's something like that. So you're just, you're just trying to increase the odds and the further and farther you can go and the less fatigue you can experience, you're, you're, you're increasing that, uh, that success ratio. So, um, so those guys are just, I mean, just animals and, and, and those are the guys in camp too, where it's like when an elk goes down, like, let's say it's someone else that shoots one. It's like, they're the first ones like, Hey, I'll come help pack. And it's like, as a guide, like, and then you just, you have more time in the mountain and you just build a better relationship. And that's, those are some of my more favorite memories when you're out there at 2am and you got a guy who's a hunter, who's paying client, who's like, I want to be here and I want to take in this whole experience. And it's like, that's the best. So I would say in, in, in the rifle season is typically when we had more people who were, who are maybe not as in shape, but you don't really, it's not as, as important as an archery hunt. So, but I did have plenty of archery guys. Um, I had one guy who was, man, he was probably about 300 pounds and his mindset was so impressive to me. He's like 50 steps and stop, 50 steps and stop. And that was our hunt. I'm like, this is your hunt. You're paying for it. And it kills me to go at this pace. But, uh, especially when I got a bugle and bull up here mm-hmm. and I want to close the distance. Um, it's like 50 steps and stop. And that was his pace. And he ended up shooting a bull at like 15 yards <laughs> and just absolutely crushed it. And then, it was, we were like as far away from the truck as possible. So thankfully I was able to, to call on the reinforcements with the guides and, and, and get that animal out, out of that, out of that Canyon. But, uh, but yeah, that was a, a wild experience and it was, it was tough, obviously. Um, it's just mentally, you're just like, oh man, like we're, this is never going to happen. And then, and then it came together. So we were, that was an amazing hunt. So as far as clothing goes, I mean, there's been so many where it's like, guys have these huge jackets and parkets on and then they're like we get up whatever not even that far maybe a mile or something and they're just sweating like crazy and then they take their jackets off and they start cooling off and all of a sudden it's like i'm freezing Mm -hmm. i'm freezing (laughs) and i'm like i haven't i haven't shed a layer i maybe have done the little uh like uh what i love about sika is their chest zips that they have that like i'm wearing one right now you can just unzip a little bit open up a jacket, you know, dump some heat, air out a little bit. And then I can zip it up when I start getting a little bit chilled. And it's like, I didn't take any layers off on that entire morning. And those guys are constantly putting their jackets on and off. And Mm -hmm. I'm just like, and then after that, they all just loaded up on sick of stuff. So it's like, (laughs) this is the stuff in action. Like it it actually works. It's not just cool marketing, you know, turning clothing into gear. (laughs) Amen to that.
Um, so back to the environment of shooting a bow, and we're we're really targeting the the archers mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast. So we do have more and more guys that are very active in shooting the fun style 3d shoots mm-hmm. um we're not blessed with having high ele- elevation changes but we do have the powder ridge shoot Heck coming yeah. up where some guys got to go up <clears throat> yep the little hill the <laughs> ski hill but i mean you it's different and they're not pulling off the shots that they're doing in their backyard at right. 50 yards you know even this kind of training the myoatomic level training and talking to individuals like yourself like it can it can heighten your archery level and also the mental capability of it you know i when people talk about strength training and doing that you're not only training your body and muscles but your brain yep. and the mental capacity like where have you seen it in your career i'm assuming you've always been fit and you've always shot a bow pretty well but like you know, there's what how how much can that a, attribute to shooting well oh i mean it's it's a little subjective uh to me you know the results are going to be a little bit different for everybody but um i think for me um i think one of the you kind of touched on a little bit earlier dan as far as like getting your heart rate up Mm -hmm. shooting and stuff i think it's really helped me um keep distractions at bay a little bit i think um whether that's your heart rate increasing or your breathing heavier whatever it might be or um, you're sore, fatigued, whatever, whatever external stimulus that's distracting you from making a good shot. I think through uh, you know strength training or exercise or whatever it might be, it's just it's helped me stay focused. Um, and and just even like I think about like everyday working life, like you know if I go have a huge heavy lunch, it's going to be really hard for me to focus the second half of the day. Or if I go <clears throat> work out over lunch. I'm going to be super focused the rest of the day and, and be more switched on. So I think that's what, that's what really helps me just stay switched on, whether it's a hunt and, and maybe switched on for just longer. I don't, I don't, uh, especially if you're doing all day sits in November, it, you know, it can be a little bit of a grind sometimes and you start getting sleepy or tired. And that's a whole nother realm of strength training is just like, I just don't feel that tiredness or that fatigue, even when you're up early and going to bed late and you're sitting on stand all day. You just, I just don't have those those breakdown moments or those slow moments where you start getting sleepy and tired, you can just keep powering through. And, and then when it comes time to make a shot, like you're that much more prepared and ready and not distracted by any of those things. Um, and then just for me personally, with some of the injuries I have, it's just, it's really, uh, especially the training that we do. And you talked about guys that have a lot of shoulder injuries. It's like, we can get you back to a place where it's like those injuries are no longer a problem. And not only is that can improve your, quality of archery but your quality of life as well i mean think about all the things you do with your shoulders and upper body picking up your kids whatever it might be you know there's a lot of advantages and benefits to uh to living a more healthy and physically fit lifestyle so um but as far as shooting um i mean just having the strength in my neck and my back to not just be fatigued and get these weird neck pains and all that stuff like all that's all that's gone so um I think that's what's really made a huge difference for me. And it helps me stay steady and make good shots and, and it <clears> makes <throat> archery more fun too. Right. So, um, but I, you know, I, I do different things too. It's like when I'm, when I'm in the hunting season or, or and kind of getting towards that, it's like, I, 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 I tend to dial back my shooting a little bit too, cause you're going to get fatigued shooting as well. And I think you guys can probably touch on this a little bit more too, but 
something I think about is when I get close to the season, it's like I shoot five to 10 arrows a day and, and that's it. Cause then you start getting fatigued you're going to get tired shooting a lot. And I mean, then you start <clears> making <throat> mistakes and then you start getting in your head and then you start having target mm-hmm. panic and doing the drive-bys and all that <clears> stuff. It's like, so there's some different techniques that I, that I do as well as we get closer to the season. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, there's a, again, a lot of benefits to keeping your neck and your upper back again, kind of what we talked about earlier, a par, you know, part of the body that a lot of people don't train. If you're sitting at a desk all day or working, your posture is probably not good. So the more you can target those areas of your body for archery hunting specifically, the much more enjoyable it's going to be. So, and speaking of injuries, like Dan, you, you don't have the greatest shoulder in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, once in a while, you're dialing your bow back. Are you doing anything, you know, from now, like you have a Kansas hunt coming up and then Minnesota and that, <clears throat> like, are you, do you increase your shooting? Is that your, your strength? I increase, or I increase up until about season and then I'll try to shoot, you know, every day or every other day, but limited to 15, 20 arrows, mm-hmm. like you said, Dan. So I'm not, I'm not shooting 50 arrows a night then. But this time of year, up until season, I'll shoot every single night, and I'll shoot quite a bit of arrows then too. And then, and Dan Ness, you you talked earlier off air like you have a neck injury. <clears throat> You've touched on it a little bit. Like, are you is it based? You're just you're training to strengthen that area along with other areas to make shooting more enjoyable is that like are you concentrating one of your exercises a day or so much on that absolutely yeah i mean every every workout i do i'm i'm i mean recovery is a huge component of of our protocol and just exercise in general you do need to give your muscles time to to relax like your neck and your low back are really sensitive muscle groups they're very powerful muscle groups but you do need to give them time to to recover and relax so it's not something you should be training those things every single day um, it, it might have, um, diminishing returns on, on something like that. But, uh, so I'll, I'll do neck exercises once or twice a week with a couple of days of rest in between. Um, and, but I'll, you know, safely I'll, I'll take it to a pretty deep level of fatigue. That's really the only way you can get that type of muscle response is when you really challenge that muscle group. If you're just doing some pretty mild things that really don't challenge that, that muscle group, you're really not going to see the type of result that you're looking for. So it's, it's challenging it, but doing it in a very, very safe way, especially when it comes to your neck. Um, that's one of the, it's a very, very hard muscle group to train safely. Again, why most people don't train it. And that's where people start getting a lot of these problems and stuff. So, so I do it and, and just, I mean, for, for everyday life, driving down the road, fishing, whatever it might be like, I don't want to have neck pain mm-hmm. all the time. So it's especially shooting a bow. So that's where I, I do that to, again, improve my overall quality of life. This is a little bit off subject, but is there anything you do differently leading up to hunting season nutrition wise that you, you do, or do you just kind of stick to the same nutrition sheet? 12 months out of the year and you just kind of ramp up? That's a good question. Um, I think because of how much junk food I eat during the hunting season, when you're sitting on a, on a, on a 12 hour sit, like, or whatever, however long you're in the stand, it's like anything kind of goes when it comes to, when it comes to food, because you're just trying to consume calories and stay warm. You know, that's a huge part of, uh, there's some people who are gifted to just, they're not cold ever i get cold pretty easily yep. so i have cold baby too yeah yep. so i have to eat a lot of food when i'm sitting on stand all day so i think it probably goes down a little bit uh towards the uh, uh towards the hunting season but most of the year I, I i try to keep a balanced approach to diet i think you get when you start doing some of these extreme things it's really hard to maintain long term mm-hmm. and that's the overall objective with exercise or diet is something that's maintainable long term 
if you're going all in on like a really <clears throat> calorie restrictive keto or mm-hmm. or whatever vegan plan or right. whatever it is that's definitely not my, <clears throat> right. my cup of tea but if you're going to go that way it's just it's hard to maintain that long term you're going to do it for three months and be like i'm over this mm-hmm. so it's going to fry you right yeah so i kind of if i'm going to if i really do anything consistently it's kind of it's probably more in line with kind of a uh, a carnivore type of diet where mm-hmm. i eat a lot of meat and fruit yep. um that's that's typically uh what i do that's easy for me to maintain I'm the same boat yeah right. it's like i like just f- easy yeah, yeah i yep. like fruit and and i like meat and I can, you know, trying to keep the potatoes and the bread and stuff out like that. That's challenging, but mm-hmm. I can do that, right. you know? So I, if someone's like, do you want a loaf of bread or do you want a, a ribeye? It's like, I want a ribeye. Right. So I can, I can do that. So right. that's, that's typically what I do. And in the summertime, it's like, I, I like Dairy Queen and ice mm-hmm. cream and all that I stuff as much as the next guy. So it's like, there's, you got to have a little bit of balance right. too. So, exactly. Yeah. Yep. When you're particularly talking about diet a little bit and a big thing is these, I call it a meal in a bag, you mm. know, and guys are especially do it yourself back country. Oh yeah. <clears throat> packing in for extended periods of time where you're not going to a, a wall tent or a base camp where you have right. a grill and all that. Do you, have you done that in the past and do you prepare as far as like changing your eating schedule and your diet? for that kind of situation? You know, if, if I am doing something more along the carnivore lines, like when you start, if you're not eating a lot of carbs and you get into on a hunt and you're, you know, downing a mountain house or a peak or whatever, you know, uh, meal you're putting in that has a lot of carbohydrates, that's going to mess up your gut. And especially at altitude, like the altitude really messes with your gut. Um, guys that have been on elk hunts can, can really attest to that. And I <laughs> had a lot of hunters who have experienced some really interesting gut things when you're, when you're up on a, on high altitude. But, um, so yeah, I'll probably increase the carbs when I'm starting to get closer to a hunt. Just so my, like, I'm not feeling nasty or, or like, I don't want a stomach ache when I'm hunting. So, so that's probably something I'll ramp up a little bit more as I kind of get towards, uh, uh, towards a hunt or something like that, where I know I'm going to be downing, you know, peak meals or whatever it is, or mountain house and a lot of other carbs and stuff. It's just, it's, you know, high energy, mm-hmm. easy to consume type of food. So, so I'll just to get my body used to it is typically, uh, what I do when I'm, when I'm getting a little bit closer to a hunt. And then as far as like liquid intake, <clears throat> uh, water, oh. are you, you, okay. Like we have a hydration bladder and we're filling up and, and that, are you adding electrolytes? Are you adding like a, a mountain ops? And I'm just generalizing in names, but sure. Is yeah. there things you're doing in that? And then are you overloading on that just when you're hunting or is it building up? Like, is it a stairway? A uh, stairway for sure. Uh, especially on the water, uh, front and just consuming, consuming water until, until you're peeing white. I mean, that's, yeah, I've seen so many guys coming to camp, uh, drinking beers on the way up, like hitting the restaurant from the airport and having a couple beers. And then they get up to camp and they bring in bottles of wine. That was one of the cool things about a guide is all, you'd have all these guys bring in tons of these fancy bottles of wine and bottles of whiskey and all this stuff. It would never get drank. And then mm-hmm. it just gets left behind. It's like, ah, you guys keep it, whatever. Right. So it's like these guys by, you know, by day two, it's like, there's no way they're able to consume any of that stuff because they're just so drained at that point in time. And it just dehydrates you. So at, especially at altitude, maybe, you know, on white to hunts, it's probably not as big of a deal, but when you're at altitude, it's a very serious thing. Altitude sickness is a very serious thing and you need to be prepared for that. So as much water as you can drink, like if I'm driving out West, I like that time to really start upping my water intake. It's annoying because you got to stop all the time to go to the bathroom. But once you get at altitude, it's, it's going to be a much better experience. Um, 
unfortunately, I've just seen guys go down from not hydrating enough mm -hmm. and they literally have to leave camp and go to lower elevation and burn two days to get past altitude sickness. And it's like, you have a very small amount of time. You're spending a lot of money, not just to travel there on your hunt and all your gear and all your prep. It's like, you're doing a lot mm -hmm. uh, of, uh, financial investment to, to go on one of these hunts, like make it worthwhile right. and don't, you don't want to be burning any days when you're out there. Exactly. So I hate to say it <clears throat> for the Midwest whitetail hunter, but things are getting so incredibly easy, especially private land owners. Mm. Uh, even some of the biggest names in our industry, as far as whitetails are driving their side by side. Rainbow within, bikes. Yeah. Or, rainbow right? bikes. Mountain Dew is a sponsor of some of our hunting industry, you know, <laughs> guys where you just, you just go out and you sit and then you come back. But even in, even in a situation like your whitetail season is from September to December, like the, the physical is obviously awesome for your shooting and, and sitting all day, but your diet can play a role in that as well. Definitely. Um, we have, we've all had hunting camps where we, it's like a vacation, right? Right. And, yeah, totally. And people are bringing food that they've never ate all year long, but you're overloading on it. So it's a little bit easier, but it can aid you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think that's what's, I, I think that's, what's fun about the different hunts that are out there. Um, you know, there are, there are hunts that are, that are less intense and mm -hmm. you can get away with doing some more of that. Um, so again, though, I mean, if you're, if you're loading up on food and you got to get out of the stand for a bathroom break, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of stories out there about guys who are getting out of their stand because they're eating food that they probably shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's their opportunity. Trail cam picture, right? Yeah, yeah. giant comes fast and it's like, oh man, mm -hmm. should have been yeah. in the stand, right? right? Well, I think, I think in Minnesota particularly, like it's a tradition, you know, mm -hmm. everybody gets out of the stand at 9, 30, 10 o'clock and you have this huge lunch and then you go back out at two and it's, it's either going to happen or, or it's not going to happen. But the industry has kind of changed as well. Mm -hmm. Um, comfortable stands, saddle hunting, sitting yeah. all day, getting into areas that have never seen a human right? in situations like that. And people are getting more productive and enjoying it. Yeah. And I think you, you talked about cam and, and uh, whitetail fit and some of these other guys out there. I, I think there's a cool trend of people who are, and like, you know, total archer challenge and your guys's event at, at powder Ridge. It's like, there's, there's an element of like this, this athlete bow hunter, and, and it doesn't have to be like this gym bro mentality, but I, I think it's cool. I think like people want to get healthier and live better lifestyles and their motivation is archery hunting. I'm like, that is so cool to me. I had one guy who he came on an elk hunt. He was out of shape, overweight. And like, he ended up shooting a bull. Um, and like had it, he was just like, this was the most incredible thing, but he was like, overweight and out of shape and all this stuff. He came back the next year and was just dialed and in shape. And it's like, cunning or that hunt like changed his life mm -hmm. for the better long term and i think that's what's actually really cool is the companies like mountain ops and and uh, all these people out there that are promoting health and wellness through the means of hunting or archery hunting i'm like yeah anybody who's on Win -win. that train i'm like right. this is a great thing yeah. so yeah one of our uh, 365 archery shooters is dan staten with elk shape oh yeah <clears throat> like he in oh, he yeah. camps oh yeah uh, yeah he's awesome uh, he's He's a nut yeah. by all means, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent and I'm not, you know, for the guys and gals that are listening that know me, I'm not a uh, shining beacon of health, but I have done certain things as far as like my target archery career and, mm. and shoulder strength, neck strength, lower body, 
a foundation. When we're standing on the line for hours and hours and hours or in a field shoot or a 3D shoot, like there's a foundation that has to be built. And I may not look it, but, you know, when we talked earlier about shooting 50, 60 arrows, like it's it's very, very rare that I shoot and my clicker is not above 75 arrows. Mm -hmm. But my my shooting body, not my physical body, but my shooting, my shoulders, my arms, my, my base, like I can handle that because I've been doing it for seven, eight years shooting that many arrows. Right. I'm one of the guys that don't stop, you know, as far as like hunting, even if I'm, even in the morning, if I'm shooting at 10 yards in the shop before I go out at three in the morning, mm -hmm. like I'm just get, I'm just, I always, I hate to say it, but I'm waking up those muscles saying, Hey, this could happen. Yep. And there's going to be a change. It's called adrenaline. There's going to be emotional mm -hmm. setup in this mental, you know, you can be drained on that situation but having the ability to comfortably make that shot mm -hmm. within a four inch kill zone of what you're aiming at is huge yeah. you know it, it that's part of the enjoyment i know what we we don't really dawn on it but you know hanging the trophy on the wall sending the pictures to your buddy and if you do a lot of other things except for that you're not going to have the success as much you can everybody can get lucky totally but before we cut out dan like how do we get into mile a time if we decide like we're going to yeah. take this step like how do we reach how do we get to you guys like three locations you talked about yep yep like what are we doing yeah so uh three locations let's start there real quick uh, one is downtown minneapolis uh the other one is in minnetonka and then we actually have one uh, in my hometown of dassel so people who are st cloud or uh, um or even just west metro it's uh, it's a really awesome facility again we use top of the line equipment all one-on-one -on -one trading you can go to myostrong.com so myostrong.com and you can you can request a consultation and if you mention this uh this podcast we'll we'll hook you up with uh, two free sessions as well so anytime you go in there you would like let's say you're a first timer you would go in for a consultation where we review your goals and your overall state of your health and wellness at this current point in time, we can, we have uh, measuring devices so we can measure your, your, you know, your entire body makeup of your body fat percentages. We can take it as far as you want and, and make it as objective as possible when it comes to your actual results. Um, so you get a free consult, you can do a demo workout and then mention this podcast and we'll get you two extra sessions as well. So Go online, request a consultation, and uh, and that's the best way to start. It's very educational. The website has a ton of resources on just information and a much deeper dive than anything we've talked about here today. And then there is some online uh, things you can do as well. It's a it's a, a minimal monthly investment, but it gives you access to online courses. So if there's things that you just want to do at home instead, it's a, another another great option. We actually had to build that out during the <coughs> pandemic, which which is great for people who want to yeah. just do things at home too. So milestrong.com. You got it. Gotcha. And then it's myoatomic level training. Is there anything else you guys want to cover? I think I mean this is a that was a good like a dump like yeah. of like awesomeness. <laughs> good. And I think it's going to be listened to a lot because there's still time. Yeah. Uh, let's just say this gets released uh, in mid July. Um, there's still time definitely, and you can stop in the shop and we can hook you up with Dan or, or his company, yep. um, so to speak, myoatomic level training. Dan, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate Heck you yeah. stopping in. It's uh, awesome. Talking Mr. To you guys. Block as well. So on behalf of Archery Country, we appreciate you tuning in. Look forward to the next couple of months as we ramp up for busy season. Uh, podcast will still be out there on behalf of everybody. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.